You're listening to Super Power Up with multidimensional master, superpower expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Tonya Donrekla. If you're ready to disrupt reality, then sit down, strap in, and prepare to experience the show that proves there is no spoon. I'm just going to flow with this. So it feels really important to share um, such a complex matter. The um, For those of you who don't know, um, my bachelor's degree is in intercultural communication. My master's degree is in critical race theory, but those only tell a really, 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 really small portion of that story. Um, as an undergrad, I got introduced, my roommate brought a book called Golden, Gordon Alport's book, The Nature of Prejudice, and I was hooked. Um, I had been kind of waffling between majors and I didn't know um, something just didn't feel right. I was in psychology, but the limited perspective that that was afforded um, from the psychological perspective just wasn't answering my questions. It wasn't enough. And um, so I quickly learned that ASU had had a unique intercultural communication program. Um, and, it, and it was kind of an interdisciplinary program that gave me the opportunity to look at issues through multiple lenses. Shocking, right? Um, so it was an interdisciplinary degree. And then I went ahead in my master's program and found another interdisciplinary program where I could kind of craft my own programs looking at issues that I felt were important. Um, I had had entered into a group of people through an introduction um, with a, a friend of mine um, who was involved with um, the, the all kinds of different programs that colleges offer, right? The, the, one of the programs was called Leadership 2000, and it was a, a multicultural kind of awareness retreat, and, and, and the, they did fishbowl discussions and all kinds of stuff. But ultimately, it all led back to we'd all been taught by a, a, a single individual in concepts that, that he was calling intergroup relations and social identity theories and Tajville and Turner. Like, like it, it was really well-founded work but what it did was it took this concept of diversity training and it kind of turned it on its ear again shockingly it provided a solution in a way that that typical diversity training just couldn't address right it just was leaving it it, it shallow and the reason why all this is really important was at that time um asu saw a rash of hate crimes um really really horrible things were happening and this was 1996 in arizona Right. And so this, it wasn't the sixties, right. It wasn't, it, it was just kind of, even at that time, I remember feeling it was so incredibly insane that we were having those conversations. Um, but what it led to was um, after, after a, a black gentleman was beaten um, to death in a white fraternity house on campus. Um, let me reframe that. I don't know for sure that he died. I, that, that didn't land right. He was, it doesn't matter. But, but I want to be as accurate as I possibly can be. Um, and and, it, what it, and it, it coincided with a couple significant events. The Republican debates were happening at that point in time on campus, as well as um, Cornell West was coming to visit. And if you don't, the names don't matter, you know, none of it matters other than just follow the symbolic threads of what, what, what's uncovering here. And, um, and we had a group of about, I don't know, 500 students that um, after Cornell West spoke, there was a, a student asked him point blank, you know, this is what just occurred on our campus. What would you do? And of course he said, you know what I would do. And, um, and it incited, um, 
a riot. And so there was about three, 300 students, I think. I don't, I don't remember the details exactly. Um, but who, who essentially were, their goal was to um, take down the president's office and that they were upset. You know, there were a number of situations because there had been a group that had seven years prior had solicited the senior administration to get some really foundational things changed on that campus. And um, the senior administration failed to do so. They failed to do what they had agreed to, to include like an African-American studies program and, and um, getting some other tenured professors in. And so just, just stuff to kind of weigh, you know, balance the representation a little bit. Um, and, um, and so we kind of picked up that mantle. There were three of us, myself, um, the gentleman who kind of introduced me into some of this and then, um, a, a, another female, um, and um, we went to the president and said, look, we, you've got a problem on your hands. Like you've got some problems here. And, and it was obvious that the senior administration had no idea how to handle it. But we negotiated with, with the group of students and said, look, give us, give us three days to, to see if we can't come to some sort of an arrangement before you go and destroy the campus. Right. And, and, and for whatever reason, they, they, they could hear that um, mostly because of who he was. He was really big in the Black Greek system and, um, and other places on campus that that gave him a lot of clout and and so um, clout in ways that mattered to the people who were most upset truthfully and so they gave us that and we and we start set about our negotiations and and, and it, it turned into quite the ordeal and it, they ended up ASU ended up hiring me as an undergrad to come in and train their staff and faculty to um, how to address these issues in classrooms because they just weren't equipped to do it. They, they, they were being insensitive in ways that they had no idea were incredibly insensitive. And, and, and again, this is the 90s in an institution of higher education. I'm setting this framework to let you know that this is, A, this, this is not new um, in, in, in that it's, it's, um, it's not that the problems haven't been looked at, that we don't understand them, that we don't have solutions. It's that collectively we've proven over and over and over and over and over again that we haven't totally committed to wanting a solution yet. Um, this time feels a little bit different. I think there's a chance that um, this can this can take some turns that are a little bit different. But for those of us who've been embedded in this stuff for decades, it's like it's kind of hard to get too excited about it because it's the only the biggest thing that's new about this this time is the fact that social media exists. And so dissemination of the information is so much more rapid. In fact, this isn't the worst that we've ever seen. It just feels worse because it's so easily, it, 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 the transparency of it um, brings it to light in a much faster way. Um, we also established what we call the Intergroup Relations Center because it was clear that the political powers that be, the power majority was, was, was challenging, right? When you're dealing with power majority and power minority groups, um, there are nuanced differences and, and significant things that, that go into how those dynamics interplay together. Again, we have solutions. They're not easy, though, right? They're not quick fixes, and nobody really wants to talk about them because there's an atonement that has to occur. There's, a, um, there's an awareness of the fact that it is possible for you individually not to be guilty for specific things, but still be guilty by association in an institution where you benefit from it. And there's the, the, the perpetuation of it continues. And those are really, really difficult conversations to have. And so in addition to training all the staff and faculty in intergroup relations and social identity theories, I also trained um, groups of people in white racial identity. And trust me when I say that's not a popular conversation. Um, 
the um, you know, it's not easy for power majority members to recognize that the pervasiveness of what they represent as being present in a society means that they benefit in ways that other people do not. That is not an easy thing for people to hear because the power majority position in, in this country is held by an individualistic perspective. Well, an individualistic perspective tells us that we are responsible as an individual uh, and, and it's solely on us to get what we get and, and not get what we get. And therefore we extend that out to other people. Well, when we are dealing with groups of people that have been reared through collectivist filters and, it, and there is a good for the group kind of mentality, when people are saying, hey, this is bad because it's not good for the group and an individual is receiving it and personalizing it as I am bad, no conversation can happen, right? And so, so when, when there's, there's discussions about institutionalized racism and you have a group of people that can only internalize that personally, there's no dialogue. There's literally no way to meet up in a conversation until we can get the individualistic filter and the collectivist filter to kind of match up. Not only that, but the biggest challenge in this country is that you have, and this goes back to the article that I wrote, you have a group of individuals who are both the power majority holders in, from gender as well as race, right? And so now you've got people who, you know, and it's easy to pick on white males in this country, but ultimately we've got a big problem because we've got this issue within the masculinity component that's having to reemerge because masculinity specifically in this country was defined through that individualistic culture. It did not give voice to the collectivist perspective of masculinity, nor did it give voice to any of the other perspectives of masculinity. One of the um, research projects I did was on black masculinity because, you know, ultimately how it's been informed specifically in this country um, is based in how they got here in the first place. Right. And so, so, um, so there, as you can tell, there's a lot of um, <clears throat> nuances and stuff to this dialogue. <clears throat> there's so much more to that backstory, but it seems like, I mean, it's weird for me that any of this is coming forward again. And so I haven't totally synthesized everything that it means, but what it, what it has resulted in, just like with when COVID started up, like as an organization, we observe, right? I, I particularly, my methodologies, I, I read between the lines, right? I stay on top of things happening, not because I really care too much about what actually people are saying, but what are the undertones? What, what, where, where's the energy guiding us? <clears throat> That's why on a lot of levels, it feels like, unfortunately, this one's probably going to fizzle out just like all of the others. However, it is. It does also feel like it's planting seeds that um, that are not new, but but again, I think the transparency component of social media has brought this into light in a way that we haven't seen before. What most how most people are responding to this is by telling people what they think. Um, you know my opinion on that. The <laughs> you know what I think about that. The um, where we've always been guided to respond from is, is, is from spirit in ways that are sustainable and that stand an opportunity to institutionally create change. Um, which is why from the COVID perspective, we, we, we didn't come out as an organization, make a statement about COVID. Like, like what are we going to say? Like it's a virus. The, and what was very apparent was 
how spirit was guiding us to respond, which was with real institutionalized organizational level um, matters like, like the I am series was birthed out of that. Um, the superpower kids club was birthed out of that. Like what are things that provide solutions, not just in the immediate, put a bandaid on it, make people feel better, but what actually provides solutions um, longitudinally. And, um, and so that's what, that's what we're, we're doing in, in an observation of what's happening where we see the biggest need, um, where our greatest gifts and the world's biggest need right now seem like they're matching up is in the conversation. Anybody who's willing to engage in a real conversation should have access to real information. Um, that's our sweet spot. In fact, when I when I reached out to him the other day, um, we didn't we didn't I don't even know if we said hello, and it was just like what the fuck, like, huh? Like how? How? Like we this twenty five years, right? Um, not just there and what and what happened there and and what was accomplished there and the solutions that that work, but also Justin and I taught these matters to counter intel agents. Um, all of the curriculum, everything that has ever been crafted through me is rooted in that very deep study that I did. Um, I have both of the masters. One was on how to be a, a white ally and one was on how to teach issues of race to white people um, or white students. It's it's not simple and, it, and it's not an easy thing to counter because the frameworks are completely opposing. Um, and yet there are, we can make headway, we can train. I, I did those trainings in elementary schools with, with elementary students all the way up to Fortune 500 companies, to the government, um, to, to, like I said, ASU, institutions of higher ed, and they work every single time. Um, the challenge is framing it in a way that invites people into real solution, um, which again, I, I just think our organization does in a, in a really beautiful way. After we got past our initial like commiserating together, what what really came forward was there's a there's a solid conversation here, and some of us are already engaging in it. Um, but as an organization, looking toward um, at we're at first a series on, on this, and then um, depending on how that goes, there's potential for much more to come, um, not that he and I are the only two that, that have an opinion on it or that, that have, a, have a stake in this, but because we are able to have those conversations, um, we're willing to do that publicly and to share that at this point in time. We have the distribution through this organization that, that feels very powerful um, and we are trained in it. And, and, and what's lacking in this conversation is real guidance from anybody who knows what the hell they're talking about. Um, everybody's scared and they're sharing their fear. And so that's, that's the biggest issue. Right. And then that's from, you know, country leadership on down. Like we've got, we've got a situation we've never ever had before in this nation where you've got China and Iran using social media to sway psychologically the opinions of our citizens. They're not taking to social media to sway their citizens because they control their citizens. They are taking to social media to sway its psychological warfare. They've been doing it for eons. Now we just get to watch them doing it, do it on social media to sway the opinions and create divisiveness with our citizens. 
feeding that, encouraging that, contributing to that is incredibly irresponsible. But if you don't know all those things are going on, it's easy to look at it from the perspective of people are scared, people are afraid, people are upset, and other people are responding to that, right? Why? They're, 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 if most people don't understand the energetic undertones that pull them into situations and have them saying things and doing things in reaction to somebody else's fear, and they're complicit in it, right? Well, we absolutely know better. And so we are taking some foundational organizational steps to, um, to do what we think is, 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 is um, a viable, sustainable, perpetuable, trainable solution model. Um, and one of the hardest things in teaching about this stuff is helping people be aware that typical diversity training or reactions to diversity training matters is to put the onus on those individuals who are not in the power majority to give voice to their experience or to train up. And, and it's like, you turn that spotlight around. It's like the problem is that spotlight's on them all the time. Anyway, it's like, it's like, right. so, so to do that. And so I love that you worded it in that way and that you are thinking about it in that way. The worst thing we can do is react and try to say, Oh no, 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 no. We like black people. We like brown people. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, what, like, what does that even do for everybody? Right. There's, and we can't jump into the, we like all people. Right. And so that's, that's right. really what's at the heart of this black lives matter. All lives matter is that there's this weird thing, just like we were talking about earlier, depending on what level of development you've gone through and where your wisdom sits, when you say we are all the same, it can either present as kind of a, a term that they call like whitewashing things like, like mm-hmm. kind of like, like brushing over a spiritual bypassing, right? It's like, we have all these words for like, I'm just wanting to ignore this because it's uncomfortable, right? right. It can be that. And, and in, in high wisdom and deep wisdom, it is the only truth, but there's a very clear energy to the people who have earned the right to say that it is a frequency. It is a knowingness. It is a posturing. It is an awareness. And it's, it's the feeling of, it's like, it's like when you've danced with the devil, you have the right. It, it's like, we, 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 we're very clear that our programs are for the psychologically privileged, very clear. And, and I don't, I don't apologize for that. The, that's exactly how I feel about this matter. I, and I'll just speak in, in a very personal way to kind of model how you can navigate some of this stuff. I have earned the right to speak to these matters as a member of the power majority position because I have turned myself inside out to understand. And that's truthfully, this matter is what taught me to remove myself from myself and stare at myself in the face. And, and the, the things that you have to face about yourself in that process create this sense that broadcast out to everybody. Oh, like she gets it. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't explain it. There are words like I love what you're talking about, about Julie's work. 
there are words that are incendiary that that we just don't understand if we haven't had exposure. And so where most people are felt leaving like it's pointless to have the conversation is like everything I say, somebody's getting upset with me, right? Well, it has nothing to do with the words, of course. It has to do with our understanding of them and how we're using them. Yes. But these are nuanced, subtle levels that 99.9% .9 of the population is uninterested in understanding. The only chance we have is to get to the leaders because their people will follow them. Their people will not follow us. Their people will follow them. Our people will follow us, right? If we can get the leaders, the influencers, get to enough of them, their people will follow. They're looking to their guidance on what to do next. And for a lot of folks, the best they have is just somebody who kind of looks like them. That's who they're following because what else are they going to do? They're not going to follow the person who doesn't look like them. They've been told that's not the right answer. What you're able yes. to say and have heard is by different groups of people. So I'll give you that's an example. True. When I was looking at grad schools, I wanted to go to Howard. He's like, here's the deal though. He goes, you look the way you look on purpose. And everybody at Howard agrees with you. <laughs> like, you need to go to Harvard. Like, you need to go to the places where they don't agree with that because they're going to listen to you in ways that other people wouldn't. That has been the story of my existence where I can go into counter intel circles. I can go and I can read tarot cards as a former army soldier, you know, and it doesn't make any logical sense. But Many of us walk in those paths, right? We're dealing with these contradictory realities. And this just happens to be my gap, you know, ha happens to be my sweet spot. And so um, the um, what's super important in this is that all of you have people who listen to you. You all have people who follow you. They want to know what side of the equation you fall on. The worst thing you can do is pick it aside right now. The best thing you can do is open the dialogue and to demonstrate how do we talk about this? Something came through me the other day, like smarter people than me will figure out how to make this happen. My job is to get the conversation to a place where solutions actually exist. And I would encourage all of you to look at your roles very similarly. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to know what needs to happen. We don't have to be able to retort, respond, have the right words, anything else. We just have to be willing to open the dialogues and to open them with people who are also willing to meet in that space. And so, yes, have those people on who are able to say things that maybe you can't get away with saying or you wouldn't even know to say, but stand in that conversation. Show your people who are listening to you how do you engage in really, really uncomfortable conversations about things that you're not equipped to talk about. Yeah. And that feel very personal. And do it with love and understanding. And we're safe to do it with each other. And, and, and if you haven't had to face these matters, folks, face it. This is no different than any other playground we play in. These are real matters. There are real consequences for ignoring them. And we're seeing that now. If we choose to ignore it again, it'll get worse the next time. Until we destroy each other. That's the only place this goes. Because when you can villainize and dehumanize anybody, you can destroy it.
And that's the point. But this divisive is not an accident. This divisiveness is not innocent. This is being motivated and manipulated by people who benefit from it. Make no mistake about that, whether they're consciously aware of it or not. These are machinations that have always occurred in human in the human condition. We have an opportunity to rise above it. But we can't do it in a way that tries to, to, to brush it under the rug. We're, we're going to have to sit in it. We're going to have to face the fact that we are complicit in it. And that doesn't mean we're horrible people. Not one of us individually is guilty of slavery this lifetime. It doesn't change the fact that... I've had the success that I've had, that I have a master's degree, that I have a bachelor's degree, that I had an amazing career, that we can run businesses, that I live a very privileged life because the world was designed for people just like me who had the support systems that I had, who had the resources that I had, who had the influences that I had, who had the thoughts that I had. That is privilege. And I worked my ass off for it. But it's still privilege. Both can be true. Yes. The problem is we can't try to have collective conversations from individualistic filters and vice versa. So that's why these conversations go nowhere. If you are willing to sit in that space or allow your show to be a place where someone else can introduce that conversation, if it's an in integrity, if it's in a high frequency, if it's from love, if it's guided in solutions and you feel expansive delivering it, do it. If not, be where you're at with it and listen to others who are doing it. Research others. Go and read Alport's The Nature of Prejudice. I have my master's thesis. Justin's going to drag me kicking and screaming into this crap. So who knows what will go on with this, <laughs> right? Like I really did not ever dream this would come back, folks. Ever. Silly me, foolish me, right? Obviously, you know, worst psychic ever, right? Didn't see it coming. Um, and one, one, I just want to wrap this up, and then I am aware that I do have a client call here soon. We're in this. We're aware of it. I do not think that it's anything to be overly emotional about or an upheaval about. I think if it comes up in you, you have an opportunity to, to evolve some understanding that you might have. I think we can love everybody. Um, and I'm going to implore that you remember the worst thing you can do is share your opinion right now. Nobody's listening. Nobody's being swayed by compelling arguments on social media right now. Nobody. Everybody just wants to know where you stand, if they love you or hate you. That's it. Are you with me or against me? It just feeds that, that angst and it feeds that fight. We don't need to be a part of that. What we can do is offer solutions to those who are ready to receive them. The other thing is, too, is um, I'm happy to come on any of your shows if there's a specific conversation you want to have to pull out that data. That's something Justin and I are talking about. Because, again, I, I forgot all of this was in there, folks. Really. I mean, well, Jess, I'll let you speak to you. you go. Yeah, it's um, it's funny because the way it's come up is just some little clarity and stuff that I've seen. And the way I responded, some of um you know, some of the stuff that I've been, you know, working through the truths that I've been, been seeing and whatnot and encapsulating all the channels and whatnot have come forward. It's just, it's that where I started this conversation of being in, in just in observation of all this data that's coming in. And I, 
as I've been experiencing it, I kept asking why. And I looked at the programs and I looked at what we've been doing for the last 10 years and, you know, the counter Intel stuff, the, the due diligence business was built on the foundation of, of our counter Intel work in the world. And, you know, as I was observing, I, 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 I remembered that Tonya had all this experience and, and so I started diving into it. I wanted to get caught up. It felt like I needed some catching up to do. It's like, I got all the basic, basic principles. I understand the concepts, but I, I don't have the experience down in the trenches of it. And, I, and to, to the specific extent of how it applies specifically to the wounds associated with race. And, and so while I can talk about it from a generalization perspective, from a high frequency perspective, from a staying in connection with the divine, from looking internal into yourself, I realized that I wasn't equipped necessarily to address it from a place of actually being in the trenches because I haven't. And being able to do some self-reflection of the, the fact that I've benefited from those systems that, you know, everything that Tonya highlighted. And as I dove into this even more, this has been a conversation that we've had pretty much for the last week and a half in this house is that there's a reason why Tonya has these experiences. And like you said, I'm going to kill, I'm going to drag her along kicking and screaming because superpower experts, this organization would not exist if she had not had that experience. So the question goes to ask, why did she have that experience? Was it to just create superpower experts and it moves on forward? Or is it time for it now to be integrated back into the conversation? Because we had to build, well, we, meaning Tonya, the vision God, had to use her to build this foundation for the organization to set the parameters of the spiritual guidance and construct of which it all exists to go back to. and. It feels like it's now the foundation set, the parameters and constructors set, and now she can welcome that energy from those experiences and bring them into a conversation because she's now built the credibility for herself within the spiritual realm as well. And you put those two together, that's powerful. And so, yeah, she's kicking and screaming, but we're still having it and she's still doing it. And as an organization, I think we have an opportunity to really have a huge impact with these types of conversations. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Justin, for dragging Tonya kicking and screaming back into this. Cause if you didn't, I was going to. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I honestly, I, I had, to, I had to remember I, I had, cause it, it's been so long ago. I mean, we stopped and looked, I mean, it literally the, the, the universe is lined up to where, you know, you can't ignore those synchronicities. And it was like, why did that happen? Why is he popped back up on the radar? You haven't talked to him in, in three or four years, you know, three or four years. What, what does that look like? And why? And the obvious answer was because this is what you were called to do. And, but we had to have a foundation. She had to have a platform that supported her in it. And that's where the collaboration comes from It's because she doesn't have to stand alone in it. We get to stand together in it. Well, one moment real quickly. So to yeah. that point, I will just be very transparent about the fact that part of the reason why that got shut down was the frustration. Um, it culminated with 
me in grad school teaching at ASU deconstruction theory and critical theory to, to students and going to the professor that I was working with when the students got frustrated and they were like, okay, what do we do with this? Like, great. Like the world sucks. What do we do? And I didn't have an answer for him. And so I went to him and I said, you know, students are asking like, what, what's next? Like, what are we going to teach them next after we've helped them see that, that this is shitty? And he just looked at me blankly and he's like, I don't know. He goes, I teach. I don't know what you're going to do with it. And I'm like, what? Like, so just leave them asleep then. Like, what's the point in awakening people to a concept if you don't have a solution? And um, really sucked. And, 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 and I had to sit in that and, and ultimately got a little bit jaded with higher ed. And so, you know, went, went to the government. And, um, but, the, uh, but that st- stuck with me. And I think that if we're honest, like that's probably what's been driving me to find solutions is the fact that I refuse to like open people's eyes. It, it, it was one of the hardest experiences I've ever been to, through to face my own reality. Um, it created conflict in my family. It cre- I mean, when you start down that trajectory, but it did train me to look at my reality in many different frequencies dead in the face and say, okay, what, it, what are we looking at here? Um, like the, the, the beauty and the design is, is, is um, undeniable. I didn't know it then, you know, but, but it was painful. I mean, I cried more in that time frame. I didn't understand. You know, I was dating black men. I didn't understand why that pissed off black women. I didn't, I didn't understand. And all I heard was, I love you. You're my friend, but I don't agree with this. And I'm, I'm angry with you for doing this thing. And it's like, how do you, how do you understand that? And, and if you don't have any understanding of collectivist principles, it all feels personal. And so um, that it didn't make any sense to me. And I had, and, and, and instead of shying away from that, for whatever reason, I chose to dove in, dive into it, but I did white racial identity trainings and, and, there are creative names that people come up with to call you when they don't agree with your position, right? Especially when it comes to race. And so I've been called everything. I've been treated in every way. And it, and it ultimately was in the quest to understand the un, un-understandable, right? And, and I even had a grad uh, a professor during my graduate program, um, African-American woman, um, single mom, actually raised three sons on her own. Beautiful. I really, really enjoyed her classes. But she looked at me at one point in a, in a we were in a, her office in a meeting and she goes, what are you doing here? Why do you care? Like, why do you, she goes, you could go into corporate America and make millions of dollars. Why do you care about the oppression of a peoples that you're not even a part of? And it, that question really stuck with me also and it was like you know in the moment the answer was like I, I don't know that I have a choice you know and of course I had choice but it was like my my sense of it was this is where I'm going and of course I, I didn't know at the time how to give voice to the fact that obviously that's my path obviously I was picking up pieces I didn't know at the time and I couldn't I couldn't explain my decisions to people not in any logical way specifically to my father about the choices I was making because it didn't seem very lucrative to him, you know, and, and, and ultimately, of course, you know, we reconciled that, but there's people don't enter into this conversation. If you think you're going to enter in the conversation unscathed and, and, and leave unscathed, you're naive. Right. And, and if you are able to do that, either, either you're completely ignorant or you have transcended where those problems exist. I quite honestly, not totally transcended that. And it feels like that's time to integrate. So I I welcome the opportunity. Um, 
but don't go into this thinking that it's all puppy dogs and, and unicorns. It's not. Um, and, and, and people have very, very, very strong feelings on either side of this fence. Um, I think we're well positioned. I appreciate Justin speaking to the support. Um, and, and I don't, I agree. I don't, I, I wouldn't step back into it without the support of this organization and all of you. Um, in the same way, I wouldn't have stepped into it with the book and everything else without Justin's support um, and how certainly we've gone further together. And so it feels important to give voice to that, that, that you can stay as an observer, grow, evolve, do your work. And, and that's enough. That, that helps. That's contributing. Um, what's not contributing is, is, is brushing it under the rug, pretending it's not happening, which, which none of you are doing, or thinking that you can inform the dialogue from a place that you're not equipped to inform it from. That's as equally harmful as anything else right now. And, and unfortunately, that's what we're seeing modeled. We would prefer to model something different. The challenge comes in the defense of the position or the refusal to acknowledge that there is a different position or a different perspective. If you, if you can open your heart and just be vulnerable, you might get attacked, but for the most part, pe people are going to want to help you. Like they're, they're looking for allies. That was the one thing that said to me that really struck with me is that I'm most disappointed in the allies right now. And I get it, you know, but most of our people that would be allies are very poorly equipped to do it. They're just not trained. They don't know. They want to, they have the passion to do it, but, but, but there's, there's actual training that has to occur there. And so, um, so if you aren't trained in it, the best you can do is meet in a really, really open and vulnerable way and just say, I, my heart hurts because of this. I would love to be able to help. I don't know what to do. And I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my part and continue to learn and continue to open my eyes. Read. Like I said, go read The Nature of Prejudice. Start, who are the names? I'm, I'm happy to share my theses with you if you want to read them and look at the, the research. It's old research at this point in time. They were written in 96, 97 and 2001, but the research still stands. Educate yourselves. Open a book. You know, start reading perspectives that you don't agree with. I mean, that, that's, how you, that's how you discover it. And if, if you want to be informed in the conversation, um, you know, it takes training. And, and that's the piece that's missing, right? Social media gave everybody a platform to have an opinion. Most humans are untrained, right? And so, so they're espousing opinions based in fear. Not helpful, right? And, you know, it, it, it ignites things. It forces us to look at things. So I don't, the anger doesn't bother me. In fact, um, and, and, and I'm a, I know that I'm equipped to hold that space. I'm equipped to let that anger and the despair and the devastation and everything else bounce around all around me. And I, and I, and I can hold that now. Not, not everybody can. So, so just be clear on what conversations you're stepping into and how you're framing them up. Be gentle with yourselves in this. Don't put yourselves in situations where you're inviting somebody to lambast you because you got involved in a dialogue that, that you weren't entirely comfortable with. And if you do, you just say, whoa, I'm, I'm noticing like, I'm not equipped for this. Like, I just don't know the right words to say. And it feels like what I'm saying isn't matching up with what my heart would really want to speak. I need to take a pause and, and go educate myself on this. And, and that's what I'm going to do. That's the responsible thing to do. Okay. So it's no different than any other subject. 
other than if you're not trained, be careful, you know, like, like what opinions you're taking with it, but we can always come from love and, and put that forward. And I think that's important. Uh, the other thing I would caution you about is be careful what solutions you're signing on to, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to be supportive. I want to do this thing. And it's like, what are the ramifications of that thing? Right. Where did it come from? Who's motivating it? And are you sure you're in agreement with it or you just want to be cool right now? That's not helpful either. You know, hyper romanticizing um, the other not helpful. Um, Tokenizing the other not helpful, you know, wanting to now have all of our guests not be white, not helpful. Just like what Tatiana was talking about, like, like we're looking for integration for understanding, for a way for us all to move forward together. One more thing, and then I'll answer questions if people have them, but then if people, we want to wind down, we can. Um, this is what came through. Um, I don't know. I, I actually did post it. Um, I'm, I'm in a really significant study with social media about the difference between broadcasting, engagement, and using it as a teaching platform. Um, and so I don't, I just kind of plopped it on there. Like, like it's, um, that's still unfolding. Um, but it felt important just to kind of, state in, in from my personal perspective um and this is what came through it says we stood on top of you to get where we are no words or quick fixes can illuminate the depth of that fissure or address the pervasive and repeated aftershocks we can't erase this or will it away please allow us to atone for the hurt that was caused hold the space you helped us create cry with you as you heal and as we come to terms with our own broken understanding Rewrite the games and reach out for your hand so we can step forward in wholeness together. I am me. You are you. We are only we together. Um, that came through. And then lastly, it's striking me to share too. this one last piece. I don't know where it's going to go or if it's going to go anywhere. Um, but this too feels important to share and then we'll, we'll convene. Oh, I do have a date on it. August 14th, 1995. Um, no, I didn't know why the caged bird sings, but I wanted to know, so I found his cage. Then I asked him, why such melodious tunes? But he laughed and said I couldn't relate. Then I read about a dreamt of world, one, of which I, one in which every man is free. That surprised me because we live in the States and freedom is constituted, or so it reads. And I heard stories about a preacher, a dreamer, a man who used presence and intelligence to fight. He had a dream, a beautiful dream, one for which he was forced to die. Those stories I heard because his ways were peaceful. He never suggested the tables be turned. But what of the others before him and after? What of them and their ideas have I learned? Little or nothing until I met you, but I saw something new through your eyes. Now I understand why the caged bird sings. I know why he doesn't bother to cry. I saw anger at me and what I portray. I saw struggle, a desire to be. A knowledge that the wall may be invisible now, but the shackles don't need to be seen. I see that the fight has moved beyond dreams. It's been empowered. It's now one of demand. Your intelligence and knowing of all that's been taken brings you closer to making others understand. Maybe I can, can't relate, but if I see it through you, I can no longer ignore what is real. I can't stand by your side and fight what I was or pretend that I know how you feel. But I've seen what is wrong, I've seen what I've done, and I know what it is I must do. I'll support what must happen for the dream to live. So one day, <laughs> excuse me, so one day all men will include you.
anyway, this is um this is very real. Um and I do see hope, but it only happens if enough of us say enough. Not enough the backlash, not enough we're gonna take sides, but enough that we opt out. We refuse to engage in the divisiveness. And and we will work with those who are willing to step forward, work with the leaders who can get to the people who can't hear this, can't step forward, and and will do it in a way that adds to the solution and does not add to the problem. Um, and I, I think that's the best we can do right now. Um, anyway, so thank you for, for being a part of this and for feeling that with me and for holding me in the midst of it. I appreciate you all. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.